For this first interview, I had the privilege to speak with Asma Mantu Williams. Asma is the founder of the Black Pepper Studio. Black Pepper is a design studio with a focus on branding, web design, packaging, and of course graphic design. She's worked with some of the most exciting brands in Nigeria and outside of Nigeria, but just to name a few, Alara, Paradise the Restaurant, Lone Lagos, and the fashion brand 26, as well as the e-commerce platform Waza. Asma, it's a pleasure to have you on today's episode. It's, it's good to hear from you again. I know that we had an awesome conversation um, last year before you left to England. I don't know, are you still in England right now? I'm in Lagos at the moment. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So you've been feeling a little bit of the election tension <laughs> I up, up front and now. I am. Everyone is, everyone is holding their breath. Well, I, I hope there haven't been any infractions on your own side because I know certain parts of Lagos have been crazy. Well, I think we're lucky. We're fine. It's been okay. Quite, I mean, it's been okay. Luckily. Um, physically, but I think mentally everyone is definitely feeling the hit <laughs> oh yeah definitely like even me I, I find myself going on Instagram like not to scroll anymore I'm literally checking people's stories for like il- either election yeah. updates or like polling results or what not mm-hmm. yeah I'm on Twitter like literally 24-7 <laughs> and stairs stairs has been really good for updates I'm literally just Twitter stairs oh yeah yeah time. I saw something well I think I'm going to follow them more religiously because I've been seeing people's reposts on what mm. they've been posting but I think I need to go to like the official channel yeah because it was giving updates like real time updates which is good <laughs> perfect um well i guess we might still get into like how the election uh, the result of elections might affect us as a creative industry but you know for the interest of the people that are listening i want to take things a bit back and we start from like the origin so you know i know you i mean I, I've, I've had the pleasure to have conversations with you and work with you in some capacity um but for those that haven't had the pleasure can you tell us a bit about yourself as well as a bit about the Black Pepper Studio brand. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Asma Mansu Williams. I'm a brand, primarily a brand and visual designer. Um, a lot of my kind of career or um, engagement spanned from fashion styling and fashion photography, all self-taught. By the way, um, I would usually at uni, I would usually uh, self-initiate for like editorials, campaigns, fashion editorials, fashion campaigns. I style them, photograph them, and it suddenly kind of grew into. So there's always the need for kind of something more when I take photographs so it kind of evolved into collage and graphic design um, so it was just like morphing uh, styling photography graphic design and the love for brands gradually started coming in and um, that's kind of true because I was studying marketing at the time my uni so it was almost like just understanding what consumer psychology was or because I'd always been interested in fashion I was always applying all of that uni like lessons and experiences into the fashion industry um, so I was very very much interested in consumer psychology why consumers buy what they buy why brands release collections why colors work um, for certain seasons why Seasons. Basically, just generally interested in the in the back end of brands thinking and the front end of consumer psychology, and that led to my final year dissertation on um, modest fashion and consumer choices. I think that kind of opened me up into like just a bit more uh, into fashion as not necessarily fashion design, but I think fashion in terms of like fashion as, as the industry, right? Um, and, but I, I, I didn't want to work in fashion. I think it was just something that kept pulling me out 
of passion. I think that's where design, like more graphic visual design took a stronger hold. So it was more like if I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to be in the fashion industry. There was a lot about the fashion industry that I wasn't so comfortable with. But I, I knew for some reason that I was going to be a creative. I knew in some ways I was going to work with fashion. So the design kind of gave me a, gave me a good um, relationship with fashion so I could design collaterals for brands, marketing materials for brands, identity for brands. So it's more like the best of the world. I get to design, which I absolutely love, but I also get to work with the fashion industry. And, and obviously that's kind of evolved into more lifestyle. So the Bacopa Studio was founded in 2020. So just uh, lockdown. So I think when COVID kind of hit and everyone was in lockdown, mm-hmm. fully became a brand in 2020. And then uh, the focus was on lifestyle brands because at the end of the fashion is, in my opinion it's like an amalgamation of lifestyle trends drive fashion um, culture drives fashion and so fashion couldn't exist on its own without interiors without music without uh, culture without um, everything else that drives lifestyle industry so that was the focus on lifestyle Blackfest Studio is a experiential ideas and design studio primarily focused on the fact of the lifestyle industries thank you so much for breaking that down I feel like you're giving you're giving me quite a bit to chew on and that makes me want to segue into this um i have um, interactions with fashion brands while i'm trying to deal with their marketing whether it's consultation or actually producing uh, media for them but in your experience what, when you say that you black paper studio focuses on you know the experience um what percentage of your clients come from the fashion industry as opposed to other lifestyle sectors it's a good question actually so at the onset i'd say 80 percent of clients were um in the fashion industry i think as we evolved it became more lifestyle so i'd say at the moment we probably have maybe a 40 percent which works really well because i think that you really understand that um a lot of agencies or studios are not primarily fashion based or not primarily um like one niche there's always going to be that diffusion where you have interest and i think because fashion really exists um with other like i said with other medium of lifestyle we're not necessarily feeling like we don't have a lot of fashion clients i think it's just more like we're driving like we're driving culture which fashion is a power but yes i'll say at the moment about 40 percent of clients are fashion based okay Nice. I mean, forty percent is. I mean, it's it's a fair chunk. It obviously it depends on in relation to the other sectors. But when dealing with fashion clients, are there specific elements that you find that are unique to them, or is there more of a holistic approach you kind of run all your clients through, and then then based off that you get like a specific result depending on what the challenge is. I mean, we run our clients through the same. Um, process and ideas and I think because we treat because we're in a sector in a niche that we love and also in a niche sector that we're passionate about I think a lot we kind of see all our clients as creative front runners and so we treat all our clients create as creative individuals creative brands creative ideas experiences before we think your fashion or your music or your you know photography so I think we, we, we generally treat our clients the same because we have our process is foolproof for the general lifestyle industry and which fashion is a part of alright um, and the reason why I ask you that question is because while you know when I'm dealing with clients I try to run them through a process as well because it's not 
necessarily about getting a specific kind of result. I mean, there's that, but all, how you approach it is equally as important. So do you find that uh, there seems to be a little bit of pushback from fashion clients? Maybe they are too eager to get to the result and maybe they don't necessarily necessarily respect the process as much. Do you, do you find pushback or any sort of friction? Oh, no, I wouldn't say particularly fashion clients. I think clients differ. I think we've had clients from any industry that have, that have proven difficult. We've had clients from any industry that have been pleasures to work with. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it's fashion clients. Definitely. All right. Um, I, from your portfolio, I mean, when I when I discovered your work, I mean, this was on the Emerge project with Alara. Um, do you find that there are some things you need to keep in mind when you're developing, let's say, a premium fashion brand as opposed to a luxury fashion brand as opposed to a fast fashion uh, fast fashion brand? Are there certain things? I know you said that you kind of run a holistic process for um, your clients. But when you're dealing with certain clients, are you trying to remind them of certain things that they need to keep, you know, in mind as you approach the process with them? I think not necessarily because from us, the result is always driven by launching your brand in whatever vertical with a strong identity. And so either your fast fashion or your luxury or premium, you need to launch your brand. Your, your consumers, your audience need to perceive your brand as, um, as for what your brand is for the language your brand is supposed to speak, for the personality your brand is supposed to have, I don't think that it's specific to whatever vertical of fashion that your your brand is in. So um, the, the basics are always the basics. A good a good brand strategy, a good brand understanding, a good brand like visual identity. So and I think regardless of whatever brand you're trying to uh, launch into the market, you need all this anyway. Um, a lot of times, what what could probably be the cases um, a lot of premium brands or more like iron brands would probably need a bit more time to delve into like brand DNA brand philosophy more than fast fashion brands and the only reason why this may occur not that it necessarily occurs the reason why it might occur is a lot of premium brands are usually rooted in something a lot stronger and more concrete like heritage like you know, sophistication of prestige while a lot of fast fashion brands um, might be rooted in more just kind of mass market fulfilling a certain kind of consumer you know like our short attention span and so we find ourselves sometimes some fast fashion brands may have more surface level um kind of approach while premium brands or more iron brands take a lot more deeper um delving into like uh, the brand DNA and philosophy but I think at the end of the day we would approach all brands with the same understanding that we need to delve into because a brand can only especially with mm-hmm. there's a plethora of brands at the moment every every brand is launched it's been launched um, every other hour or even every other minute and so whether you're fast fashion or whether you're high-end or premium your brand still needs to exist and be competitive in the global landscape and so delving in and truly understanding your brand's philosophy and DNA is not only reserved for iron brands I think a fast fashion brand still needs to speak a certain identity still needs to put a certain identity that um, might take a lot of time as well you know to develop and to to foolproof so I think that um, I don't really think it's brand specific it's brand like brand structure specific I think that um, you can get some clients that you probably need few more days you get more clients that you need um lesser days but i think just on the surface level i'd say um 
you might find that more iron brands might take a lot more time to develop an identity because it's always a lot more long lasting but it's always primarily because it's always rooted in something a lot deeper to, to provide to the audience i think that's fair um so being the expert in the field which brands would you say that you've seen that are really doing well as far as their brand identity their visual identity their ability yeah, to connect with their audience especially in nigeria i think nigeria. a brand that comes to mind go on sir so i said sorry especially in nigeria which which brands do you think are really doing it well that's a good question um i think over when you first had the question before you said nigeria a brand that came to mind was uh Amelia ALD for sure. It's a very quiet brand, and I think this is a lot of when we think it's, it's a quiet brand, it's an iron brand, but I think that they've been able to understand the market, they understand the story, they understand where they're coming from. They've been able to build a brand identity on the roots of, of the owner, Teddy Santis, his upbringing in Queens, New York, but also his Greek heritage. And so a lot of the things, everything that they do is like hip hop culture, basketball, but also bringing in his Greek heritage. And you see that everything from the clothing to the styling, to um, the store merchandising, to the store interior design is very specific to hip-hop basketball culture, 90s culture or Greek um, references and that also reflects on the consumers as well because the consumers are able to tap into a brand that feels aligned to their values but also you can easily tap, you can easily uh, attract aspirational clients as well, aspirational consumers as well because your brand value, your brand identity is so well deep-rooted and so well thought out. Um, So that's one brand that definitely comes to mind. I think another brand just globally um, is Nike. Mm, well, yeah. <laughs> so, very, um, what's the word? But Nike has a really, really strong brand identity. The Nike swoosh, every time you see that, you feel there's this athleticism that you feel, you feel power, you feel like you can just do it. And um, it's over time sticking to that identity, sticking to that brand story and not deviating from deviating from it as something that's really propelled Nike into what Nike is today. And every time you see that swatch, you can't see the swatch without having feeling that emotion of you know, just doing it. Um, and I think all those things don't come just easily. It takes a lot of brand, like brand culture development. I think a lot of these two brands, a lot of because Amy, Amy Leondor doesn't actually have um, the, I would say, the most prominent logo or color palette or typography style, but it's brand culture. They have a really good brand culture. Nike has a really good brand culture. And so when your brand culture is established first and that brand in your philosophy, you really understand it and you can really communicate it. Everything else visually that you build on it, the collections, the logos, the colors, the patterns, are able to then naturally feed off from your brand culture and then you stay consistent because your brand culture is one thing that doesn't change you stay consistent um in nigeria banker people comes to mind okay. um, just to so give that consistency um recognizable she's been a building a a, a niche pro- not necessarily niche product but a specific product for a specific market um, and obviously the use of patterns and, and loose silhouette long line silhouettes um, and just constantly playing around with elements every single collection but not necessarily changing the status quo again builds on an identity part that is recognizable and for the brand as well so when you think um, sophisticated uh, relaxed separates you think back 
when you think like prints and patterns, you think back at the summer by coming to mind streetwear. I can't, I can't believe I forgot to know. Um, is it waffles and cream? We waffles and cream is actually a really, really good one as well. Yes, no, it wasn't actually waffles, but waffles and cream is a really good one because again, you can see there's a stronger brand culture mm-hmm. and it's a stronger identity, and then the culture feeds into the identity. And so everything waffles stores, everything they release, collaborations. I think that's, this is also another important thing as well when you know a brand has a really good identity and culture is their collaborations feel into integrated like ingrained into their brand's DNA and so they can collaborate with anyone but you still see a piece of waffles in every collaboration um oh the brand comes to mind but I can't remember I'll skip that one nah it's fine um you mentioned something a number of times brand culture which is a new which is a new concept for me maybe it's new in the sense it's never really been mentioned that way to me but there are a lot of young brands popping up in nigeria almost every day do you see any errors when developing their brand culture i think um with social media and with um you know everything being much more on demand I think a lot of clients are. I'm trying. I'm trying to train my work carefully, but I think a lot of brands, rather not clients, a lot of brands might be tapping into that immediacy for for demand and not necessarily taking the time to understand the market and understand the placement of their brands in the market. Um, and I think you see a lot of brands doing actually the same things. The same, you can place a couple of brands side by side, and no one can really tell the difference because it's all, all rooted in almost the same brand idea without necessarily thinking about what makes them unique, what, what sort of ideas, um, beliefs, and attitudes makes their brand stand out. And I think that's the one thing that I see being different, being uh, consistently across a lot of new brands that are popping up. I think some brands are, are, are coming out with different. Um, mindset and thinking but i think a lot more brands are almost driving you know feeding into the immediacy monster right um well, instant gratification exactly exactly um and i think at the end of the day because a lot of these things are based on trends as well you do find that when your brand is built on that if you can't keep up with the trends you start losing out very quickly because new brands are always going to pop up that would still feed into that trend monster I think I think that's probably one of the biggest and advantage with social media and um, when you think of brand culture in that regard is a lot of brands are for Instagram are to buy on Instagram not necessarily to establish a footprint in the fashion industry as a whole. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much what I'd say. No, I think that's. But I, I I also think as well that. Um, the investment upfront in understanding, kind of in in understanding what makes your brand, what makes your idea different. How can you serve the same consumer? It doesn't always have to be a different consumer. But I think even with consumer groups, there are always niches of consumer groups that you can always you can always target and tell a brand story that attracts that consumer group. And I think that's what's also missing as well. I think the investment upfront in recognizing what the needs are. Of the consumer, not in terms of the physical needs, but in terms of the psycho- of the psychological needs, or that that need of um, you know wanting to like uh, the consumer group, like what are your consumer personas? We've had clients come to us and ask that question: what, what, what are your consumer personas? And they have no idea. Why are your competitors? And they have no idea. I think it, it really goes to show that because you really can't be a brand without a consumer persona. 
you need to know who your target personas are. And so if you're existing without even that bit of information, or you're pretty much serving anybody and everybody. And that leads to a, a, a short span of the brand, definitely. Because at, at some point, your consumers evolve, but you're not able to evolve with them because you don't understand who they are, then you quickly start falling out. I think that makes perfect sense. It's, it's, it's a similar conversation that I have with my clients. It's like, we need to know who we're serving before we can start building the right solution or the right product for them. Once you don't know that, it's like you're just going to be lost or you're probably just going to be swayed by what your competitors are doing or what you feel is going to sell fast, which obviously goes back to this instant gratification challenge um, that we're talking about not too long ago. Definitely. And I think fashion is a very volatile industry in that regard because garments, clothing, it's so easy to put it out, so easy to tell people to wear clothes, wear this style of clothes, wear this. It's easy to influence people to wear certain clothing. But I think from a selling point of view, that could work because you're selling, right? But from a branding point of view, I want to, not necessarily, but a lot of the times, the brands that stand the test of time are able to build a culture that you're not necessarily buying the clothing, you're buying the brand's culture. So a lot of the times, um, like when you think Nike, for instance, I'm not necessarily buying the swoosh, because I, I, like, I'm not necessarily buying a Nike sneaker for a swoosh, but I'm buying into the brand culture of what Nike has been able to build. And so some of the other brands I mentioned as well, you're buying into that brand culture, because it's, it's an, like, well, I think Waffle is a really good example as well. You're buying into that Waffle's culture, the skater culture, you're buying into something that was disruptive in the Nigerian fashion scene. Not necessarily buying an item of Waffle's. So I think it's so important when you look at it from that angle that you over time you get loyal consumers and I think that's the most important thing. You get consumers that, that grow with your culture over time and are able to tap into it at any point in time, which I think is so important if you want to sustain and if you want to especially stand up for more than noise because there's so much noise in the world in general. I think stand up from all that noise is being able to really understand, you know, how am I building this set of beliefs and values, what's really important to me, what's really important to my, my consumers. And I think it's not just a block of text that you put on a, on a website, it's in everything from your imagery, from the use of, um, from your logo, from what your fonts look like, from the collaborations that you do, um, everything kind of ties in, you know, to make that, that brand identity but also to make that that because we always think of a brand as a person right i should be able to talk to your brand i feel like i'm relating to some something to a friend to someone that um i can relate with obviously if i'm your target consumer and target audience so i think everything kind of forms into more of the ideal brand persona that consumers can relate to and they feel comfortable with i also think that that's the reason why we like every year people spend so much money on Apple products because I'm starting to understand that, look, I don't think people are so gingered about buying the newest iPhone. There's something attractive about buying into this brand that keeps them coming year after year, no matter what the price is, no matter whether there's inflation or there's a, there's a recession. For some reason, people are always going to find a way to buy it because they are buying into something more than these products. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think Apple is a really good one as well, definitely. Um, and I think when you even think of more lot lots of like iron brands as well, you also see that people want a piece of, you know, Telfa is a very good example. People want a piece of stuff. People want a piece of that culture, that belief that the brand are set in the market. So everyone just wants a piece of it. Everyone wants to align with it because 
um, it speaks to a demographic, it speaks to a certain group of consumers and very strongly as well. So yes, that, uh, you're absolutely right. Alright, so I'm going to ask, you don't have to name the brand, but what has been your best and worst project working experience? If you can just kind of run us through that real quick. My best and worst. Um, we've had a number of best, so I wouldn't even say this is the best client. I, I think in a nutshell, right. the best are usually trusting clients. Okay. Clients that trust you. But at the end of the day, you're in the business because you understand the business, you understand brands, you know your um, audience. So I think clients coming to you and letting you develop, be creative, explore, without necessarily, you know, being looking over every shoulder. Mm-hmm. Always the clients that usually get the best out of us. Um, so yes, trusting client always comes up top and trusting also our clients that are responsive because they trust your process, they respect your process. So trusting clients is kind of the umbrella for best clients. We've had incredible best clients. I think worst clients, um, they, they, just the direct opposite. When <laughs> clients don't trust you, they start questioning every single move. They don't respect your process. We have clients that wouldn't think they used to sign a contract, wouldn't want to sign a contract because they don't respect, they don't trust you enough, you know, to let go, they don't trust you enough to feel comfortable and realize and respect that you can deliver on what they're coming to you for. So I think that's like two broad umbrellas, I'll put it. Best clients are always very trusting and it always boils it comes down to them being very, very respectful and then worst clients are usually not very trusting. Um, we write clients that um, would not respond for days, for weeks, come back just out of the blues and yeah. you want to pick up a project that. at the same pace. We write clients that ghost for a really long time. Um, we write clients that just too many revisions as well. But I think at, at the core of it, you see that it's important to trust. So at the end of the day, we always just try to establish that at the very beginning. Um, because we, it's always a lot of fun when, when clients trust. And I think this is a, a, a big thing that clients don't understand. If you um, come to us, if you make us feel like we are the thought leaders for our, in our field, you always get the best out of us because we always over-deliver. Because we have to prove you right. We have to work with the mindset that you have of letting go and so not wanting to even disappoint you in this line we always over deliver um so i think that that's that that's like a what's the word i'd say a secret the moment you let go the moment you trust the moment you respect and believe that we're capable and we understand what we're doing you always get so much more from us just naturally so yeah i think because we've, we've had really good clients so i can't really pick one and i'd say what's clients that's usually the umbrella with clients on trust and just yeah was I'm excited from there. I think it's I think it's crazy, but maybe it's because we have a we have a relationship outside client and service provider. First time I went to your Instagram page, I mean I'd already seen your work. I was just like, I understand. Like nobody needed to explain to me. Like I understand why you are holding such high reverence because your work speaks for itself. So when you say Thank things you. like when clients clients there are clients that come and they, they are not trusting of the process, it's almost alien to me, but I can understand that it's like you know, sometimes we have clients that come in and they're very particular about how much money they are spending on a project and because of that they're like you know consistently 
uh, questioning A, B, and C. And we do get where that comes from. It's you know you're making an investment. You want to make sure that there's a return on on your investment. But it's like you're hiring a specialist for a problem. You know it would be defeat the purpose if what you're hiring them for, you are also going through the same you know stress and workload to achieve the same thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think also a lot of clients have never really worked with service providers. We get sometimes we get one of this is very very few. We get. We've got some of the clients that have never really worked on this scale with service providers. And so when you ask them um, important questions, like now saying, what are your brand personas? What are your brand personas? It becomes an issue because they've never really had to engage with service providers that are so detailed. They feel like you're tasking them. You know, they feel like you're giving them, you're, you're making the process much, more, much, much, much more complex. But we, we find that a lot of our clients thankfully uh experience with working with service provider and so when we ask some of these hard dating questions they understand it and a lot of clients are also coming with briefs as well with um you know brand strategies already completely done right i think sometimes that's also part of it as well but i think yeah just generally clients are human beings human beings vary in in all sort of attitudes and behaviors and so that's always another thing as well some people just don't have time to for the deliverable they want and so it becomes an issue they want everything rushed um some people just again budget is always a thing as well some people feel like they need to get every single what's the word they need to suck at every single dime from their budget and so it's <laughs> it's yeah it's and i think that's just where you kind of understand you need to have the structure you need to have you know upfront with the clients but I'm really glad to say that we don't get a lot of worse like I think we've had a lot of, most of our clients have been really lovely to work with trusting and easy going we've spoken about a number of topics during this time uh, brand culture visual identity um your customer persona if i was going to start a fashion brand today i mean i'm standing in for like imagine fashion designers now what would you say are the top things that i would want to consider if i want to connect with my target audience okay i think um understanding what the gaps are in the market definitely you don't want to build a brand that doesn't answer anyone's needs um so understanding noticing the gap in the market and fulfilling that gap a lot of um, great brands out there. Glossier is always the brand that I always reference because when Glossier started out, there was a huge gap in the market for um, playful skincare, playful makeup, relatable skincare and makeup. A lot of the makeup and skincare where I know this is a bit different to fashion, but it's still a, a lot. You can still borrow from that um, where much more makeup artisting and you need you know you need to have a good understanding of what makeup was but when Glossier came in there was a gap for playing with makeup and also fell into like social media and Instagram as well so I think knowing the gap in the market is so 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 important like I think that's primarily what it is and I think on the kind of opposite side of that is understanding what the culture is that you're bringing into the market so sometimes there probably isn't a gap there's just a passion and a love for xyz I think the stronger you combine the passion and the love with a gap personally I think the stronger your brand goes but I I think if you if there is necessarily a, a huge gap but you want to be in the industry you want to develop a clothing line because of passion and interest and I think that's where 
going hard on the culture, going hard on making that passion and that love speak a language. You know, something that feels different, something that, so even if your relationship is feeling a gap, you're creating a space, right? You're opening up a new space for your products, for your brand. You're telling a new story, a new narrative. So for instance, you're doing streetwear. Streetwear has been done, but how can you reinvent streetwear? How can you invent leisure wear um, with a different story? Right. Um, so I think those are. I would say those are side side by side. Most important things. I I don't think anything else can exist without those two things. And then I'd say the next thing is building your brand's kind of DNA. So usually understanding who your target market is. I would put a lot of time in understanding the target market because at the end of the day, you need to sell to this person. You need to understand what they like, what their aspirations are, who they look at where they spend their spare time because that's the way you can actually target this consumer. You can find them where they are. You know where to look for them. You know what language to speak to them. You know what would attract them. You know what influencers to use because they like XYZ influencers. Um, and then you go on to build your identity and that could be your visual identity which is obviously your logo, your typography, your colors, your brand patterns, you know, things that people immediately see and recognize and know it's your brand. Um, and that could also be like more intangible brand identity which could be things like your messaging, your tone of voice, your personality. Things. Oh, it's as simple as if I saw a Nike ad without the swash, I could still tell it that it's a night app um, because of imagery conceptualization, because of the messaging. So um, I think those are the primary three things based on everything we've discussed that are absolutely important in building a fashion brand from, from a branding perspective. Thank you so much for your time, Asma. This has been amazing. If anyone wants to get a hold of you or maybe even possibly work with the Black Pepper Studio, where is the best place to reach you? On Instagram, the dot Black Pepper Studio, so T-H-E dot Black Pepper Studio. Um, and we have contacts there, so we have emails. You can easily just pop an email. Our website is www.theblackpepperstudio.com as well. So um, our website has all our works, previous work, and then you can always go on contact as well to pop a message and just say hi. Awesome. Thank you once more. I know that you're running late for your meeting. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm sure that everyone will love this conversation and take a lot of value from it. I hope, I hope. Yeah, and if anyone has any questions, if any questions pop up, anything else to clarify, um, I'm pretty, I'm sure that you would love to hear from you and you can always feed those questions to me. I'll be more than happy to respond back. Or if you'd love to message directly, you can always go on Instagram, send a DM. I'll be more than happy to help. Awesome. Thank you, DJ. It's been fun. <laughs> All right. Have a lovely day.